Hello Gen Xers, welcome back to the water cooler. There's plenty to talk about this week and I hate to start off on a depressing note, but here we go. I read an article lately that made me very sad and that article discussed how Gen Z apparently views rock music as quote old people music. Now, when I say rock music, I don't mean like the rockabilly stuff or things from the from the 50s and you know the old-time rock and roll, you know that that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. I'm talking about all those classic albums who recently have celebrated their 25th anniversary of their release. Think about it, it's kind of remarkable, uh, all within a quick succession, but about 25 years ago, uh, all of these uh, albums released within just mere weeks of each other. Get a load of this. Nirvana, Nevermind. Pearl Jam, 10. Soundgarden, Bad Motor Finger. Guns N' Roses, Appetite for Destruction, 1 and 2. Metallica, The Black Album. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. All of them within weeks of each other. Think about the, those classic albums and just the amazing songs on those albums and those that highlighted the soundtrack of, of our youth or our adolescence. I mean, just classic, classic albums, awesome songs, great bands, old people music. <sighs> Oh, good Lord. I felt so old reading that article. Holy crap. But you know what? That doesn't make that, that music any less awesome. I still listen to it. I do. I do. I, I, I'm still that old fuddy-duddy who, who rocks out to his 25-year-old uh, awesome uh, grunge music and rock music. And apparently that now that is old people music. You know, when I think of old mu- people music, I think of, you know, Lawrence Welk. Remember, like, Saturday afternoon, the only thing on being the Lawrence Welk show? Good Lord. Or or any of that, uh, that kind of soda pop stuff from the, from the 50s. I think that's, that's old people music in my mind. This stuff is awesome, but no. No, apparently we have officially crossed that uh, uncanny valley into now old people music and... It's just hard to believe that that is for real. But such is life as a Gen Xer today. So, if you will with me, sigh. <sighs> but, I mean, you think about it. It does make sense. The way you know, music is now and everything's so overproduced. Uh, you know, album album releases really are not a thing. You think back then when, you know, when all those albums were, were coming out. You know, I remember... Like jumping on a bus to go to the mall to to get one of those albums the day it came out, or you know the the lines that that would go outside of Tower Records or Sam Goody, you know, just to to get your hands on on one of those albums. But now things are just it's digital. It just kind of shows up on iTunes and you think, oh yeah, or you pre-order it on iTunes and it just kind of shows up on your phone and you sort of. Listen to it a little bit, and then that's that. And but you know, albums are not really a thing. Remember, where you would buy an album of of one of those 
those albums say, you know, you like t- smells like teen spirit. So you buy Nevermind, and your mind is just blown by listening to the rest of it. Even, even the B side stuff, there, there's some that, you know, that you would like. I remember when I first got appetite for destruction and of course you were familiar with welcome to the jungle and paradise city and sweet child of mine. But, you know, listening to those deep cuts, you know, while you're, you know, playing Nintendo or playing basketball with, with your buddies and, and you start appreciating Mr. Brownstone and uh, you know, th- thing, you know, things like that. Th- that's not really so much of an experience anymore. And it just, it just, again, maybe it's because I'm old, but it made me sad, you know, thinking about that. But, you know, albums really aren't a thing anymore. And, and, you know, and I think, you know, trying to think in my mind, what are the main, the main rock bands, you know, big, big time popular bands now? I have a hard time bending my mind to think of what those are. And a lot of, in a lot of ways, it's the ones that were always were like the ones that I, I just named. Can you think off the top of your head of a band, a current band that is making music and had big tours and they're a big draw. Uh, I can't think of any, you know, I, I think you know off the top of my head, you know Greta Van Vliet, you know had a couple cool songs, but you know a lot of that's kind of very very derivative, you know Led Zeppelin derivative. But I, I, I imagine Dragons maybe, but I mean kind of not really. I I don't know. I, it's it's really hard for me to think of any big time bands right now. And so I thought back to that that article, and I guess you're probably right. Rock probably is old people music, and I suppose that means that, you know, I'm old. <laughs> I guess. You know, you, you, you sit with your kids in the car, and all they want to listen to is, you know, pop nonsense and, you know, hip-hop and boy bands and stuff that's over-teched and overdubbed and overproduced and and, you know, you know, the you know k-pop and that kind of garbage and uh, boy I, it just makes me glad that we grew up when we did and you know, we had the soundtrack of our of our childhood when we did and and you know old people music and not even just you know the 1950s doo-wop stuff but you know those those cool parents who listened you know to you know led zeppelin and and uh and the who and and the and uh you know, you know, bands like that, that are the doors and it kind of introduced you to, you know, to that kind of stuff and really got you into it. But it did yeah, so much, not a thing. And you know, I, I try to get my kids on board and they like some things, but you know, certainly not like what it was when I was their age. So uh, sigh. And that's, that's how it is. So sorry to, sorry to bum you out uh, right out of the shoot here. But you know, that was something that, that definitely caught my attention made me think of all of you and and also made me a little sad so now uh, back to the water cooler stuff i saw this past week where john gruden head coach of the raiders resigned and apparently he had some emails leak from a number of years ago for when he was i believe it's when he was calling monday night football uh, as part of the espn crew and uh, the contents of those emails were made public and and within a you know short order as is protocol today uh he was embarrassed the team was embarrassed the nfl was embarrassed and of course he lost his job 
Now, what was so embarrassing about the contents of those emails? Well, I don't think there's anybody who's thinking clearly or has any tact who would defend the things that he was saying in his email. A lot of it was pretty salty. You know, he was using you know gay epithets and uh, you know call you know, was denigrating you know Joe Biden, which of course you know I'm here for, but. You know, you, you you can't do that and have a high profile position. But you know, uh, some other other things that are, are you know something about uh, Demora Smith, who is the head of the players' union. Uh, you know, he he's a black guy, and he like said something ridiculous about his his lips or whatever, and 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 that was that was you know, got him in a little bit hot tr- hot hot water early on but then once the you know the gay epithets came uh, became known r- right after then and then his demise was was pretty quick but again now that's kind of the cancel culture that we're in that seems to be par for the course again i don't i don't agree with it you know i i think there should be room in our culture for you know, for uh, mea culpas and and for and for growth and and for you know learning your lesson and doing better. Um, but again, if if in our culture, if if it, those offenses cut a certain way, it, there's just not only is there no room for growth or or any kind of comeuppance, but I mean they're going to take you down. They're they're going to salt salt the earth and make sure nothing grows in its place, which is again the thing that I find really really bizarre. What's even more bizarre in in the context of the NFL, however, is how many other incidents in black eyes from a, a, a PR standpoint that they have had over the past number of years. And uh, it's on some level, a lot of these guys have been able to find their way back. Certainly not in the case of Ray Rice, but like I say, Deshaun Watson, you know, he was the you know, star quarterback of the Houston Texans. And, and he, uh, you know, although he was cut by that team, he's still going to be out there. And once his suspension period is over at the NFL, chances are about 100% that he's going to find his way back onto a roster. Now, what did Deshaun Watson do? Well, all he did was uh, be accused of sexually assaulting uh, a number of masseuses as he was receiving a massage. <sighs> but you know, he can find his way back. Again, not saying that he shouldn't. I believe that he should. But if he should, then certainly, you know, a knucklehead like John Gruden should be able to find his way back from using some salty language. Now, Richard Sherman and Tyree Kill. What do they do? Well, first things first, they're both on active rosters. You know, Richard Sherman is now, I believe, playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tyreek Hill is a very important member of the offense in Kansas City. But they were both accused of uh, spousal abuse in Richard Sherman's case and child abuse in Tyreek Hill's case. And, and, and pretty violent abuse at that. You know, they uh, get, their, get their slap on the wrist and eventually find their way back. Why? Well, they're awesome at football. Warren Sapp, he is a Hall of Fame defensive lineman from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's still on the NFL Network. He's also been accused of of uh, spousal abuse. Uh, again, and again, all these things. It's and none of them are th- are things that I think that they shouldn't have a um, at least on some level some opportunity to Im- improve themselves and to get their lives back on track. But it's just, it's very odd to me, and this isn't the first case, of course, but it's odd to me that salty language is not fine. 
but sexual assault and child abuse and spousal abuse, not fine. But or that's fine. Uh, salty language, not fine. I just I, that's not something that my mind can wrap can wrap around. I don't understand it. It makes absolutely zero zero sense to me. You know, kind of along the lines of how you know Colin Kaepernick you know kneeling dur- during the national anthem, good. Tim Tebow kneeling to pray, bad. Again, that's that's the culture uh, we live in. In fact, in the in the case of Colin Kaepernick, not only does he suck at football, and he sucked at football seven years ago when he lost his starting job to Blaine Gabbert of all of all people, but uh, it was also made known this past week that uh, Katie Couric, in interviewing the esteemed Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, in her interview, she withheld some details of that interview that she thought would threaten to ruin her popularity. Now, what were those details, you ask? Well, apparently Justice Ginsburg was not a fan of Colin Kaepernick's kneeling stunt during the national anthem. She, her, her opinion was very much that of a lot of us Gen Xers and a lot of people at large that hey, you are in a league and you're given an opportunity to use your athletic abilities to give a very good life for you and to to your families. You should be grateful for that opportunity and not breaching etiquette and kneeling during the national anthem and protesting the freedom that that country offers you to provide such a, a living for you and your family. That was stricken from the interview that Katie Couric gave to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which kind of shows you just how much the narratives can be controlled and are controlled uh, from from the media down to us uh, you know, you know, piddly little peasants. But again, that's nothing surprising. Everything that happened with Gruden, in fact, it was it was quite predictable. It would have been much more shocking if if there was some kind of grace given uh, given to him. But oh well, we'll see what happens with the Oakland Raiders. But if they do what Raiders do, they're probably just going to implode for the rest of the season here out. Also this week, uh, General Colin Powell, age eighty four, uh, passed away, uh, which was. Uh, a sad thing to see. You know, he played some key roles in Operation Desert Storm, uh, you know, fought by many of our fellow Gen Xers, and he served as the Secretary of State in the Bush administration. And by and large, was one who gathered quite a bit of uh, garnered quite a bit of respect uh, for for his career and his years of service. Now, what did he die of? Well. Apparently, he died of complications related to COVID, which you know, a lot of people are uh, nowadays, particularly in that age demographic. And you know, so it's sad that you know whatever was ailing him was was sort of accelerated uh, on some level by by COVID. So it, it was certainly a sad thing, but it definitely caught my eye that when the news came out of his passing, that uh, as I scanned headline to headline to headline. What I kept seeing, and just, I just found it very peculiar, is that they said that you know, Colin Powell, 84, dies from complications related to COVID-19. Well, now, what's so odd about that? Well, the odd thing is that they, don't, they didn't say Colin Powell, 84, former Secretary of State, died from COVID-19. Well, and why would they say such a thing? Well, apparently... 
General Powell was fully vaccinated, as he probably should have been, being in an octogenarian in 84 with, with other underlying health problems. So he rightfully and smartly you know, was, was vaccinated. But that was sort of uh, kind of swept aside you know, because he was vaccinated. You don't want to blame COVID for being the main cause of death, but more complications related to COVID. You know, whenever somebody who is not vaccinated uh, contracts a virus like Laura Loomer or someone who is not vaccinated, get it. They almost treat them like not only did they get the virus, but they died and they died from the virus. Right. So it you know, had they the pre presupposition being that had they re received the vaccine, not only would they have survived, but they wouldn't have gotten sick in the first place. In fact, they wouldn't have even tested positive had they just received the vaccine. And here we go. A very high profile individual dies after contracting the virus, dies from being after being fully vaccinated against said virus. And uh, here we are. It's this, I tell you, this hypocritical back and forth, this circular argument is one that I find quite exhausting. Because as predictable as you would expect it to be, uh, coupling this story is being used as evidence or further evidence that uh, we need to be giving boosters after X many months. Uh, that you know, because of the, you know, the virus is so dangerous, we need boosters now. Or maybe it just shows you that the vaccine was not quite as effective as we were led to believe you know at the beginning we were led to believe that this panacea was was going to be 100 percent effective against the virus so what you get the virus then you can have your life back you know you, you get the vaccine you get your life back you get the vaccine you can go to a baseball game you can have a, a family picnic or a cookout uh, for the fourth of july and you can do all these things again we can get life back to normal if you just get the vaccine and even now the drumbeat seems to be essentially that but as time is going on not only are we seeing that, that no this vaccine isn't 100 percent effective in fact many cases it's seems to be a, somewhat ineffective at least when it comes to you know delta variants and and uh you know, things like that different mutations I, what I, I don't understand is why we can't put all of this in perspective and we can't treat this just like the flu vaccine where you it's probably a good idea, particularly if you are vulnerable, if you have an underlying condition or whatever, that you probably should receive this vaccine. It's not going to give you 100% protection against it, but it can give you some protection from getting it. It can give you some protection from getting sick with it. It can give you protection from being hospitalized with it. Not 100%, but it gives you some. And are you, are you to get it, then you have treatments 1, 2, 3, and 4 at your disposal. I don't know why that can't be a thing, but it, there's just this all-out press to getting the vaccine, and then that's that. You can probably argue that it's trying to get some kind of forced compliance just for compliance sake. You know, I, I can believe that. That's probably very likely, but uh, I, it, at least we're seeing in, in some very high-level cases that the narrative that we're being sold is certainly not a true one.
but the the mandates continue to roll roll out and as does a lot of the resistance to it in fact i just saw that Washington State University fired their head football coach, Nick Rolovich, and four assistant coaches because they would not uh, submit to receiving the vaccine. And they were fired for cause. Apparently, the, I, I believe Coach Rolovich was trying to receive a religious exemption, which I, I, I'm not sure how much his uh, resistance to the vaccine was based on religious grounds. You know, know, the religious exemption seems to be one that's kind of all too conveniently used and kind of dumbs down those who actually really do have religious reasons for not uh, getting the vaccine. But I, I, for one, am definitely not in favor of uh, mandates, of forcing anybody to get uh, a vaccine, not just this one, but really anything. It's, I, I think it's a smart idea to be vaccinated, um, particularly if you are vulnerable or if you are around someone who is. Probably a good idea. It doesn't mean 100% protection, but again, I, I, probably a good, good idea. Talk to your doctor to make sure, but that's where I stand. However, I am 100% against anybody being forced to do something they don't want to do. I am 100% against forcing anybody to receive any kind of medical treatment or vaccine that they don't want, particularly when their doctor is telling them not to, then they should definitely not get the virus. You shouldn't have any any compulsion by the government or your job or anywhere else that's telling you to do something your doctor is telling you not to do. That, in our free society, should not exist. That should not be a thing. But we're seeing more and more that it's a thing, and it is frightening. And I I would think that this is something that, you know, much like the Patriot Act, we should be learning our lesson to never, ever, ever, ever sacrifice our freedom for anything we shouldn't be sacrificing our freedom for the the illusion of security we shouldn't be sacrificing our freedom for protection against a virus or any other disease we shouldn't be sacrificing our freedoms for anything and we certainly should not be ceding those freedoms to the government because if you do they are not coming back and not just in the Star Wars universe. I mean, in, in ours, they are not coming back if you give up those freedoms. So don't do it. Don't give it up. Even if it, uh, it means that you're, you're going to you know, lose your employment or whatever, I much more respect you if you're like Coach Rolovich and, and, and stick with your principles and you do not do it. But again, it's a, it's a weird time and, and we're seeing these types of cases more and more and it doesn't seem like these kind of instances are slowing down at all now lastly touching base on the supply chain mess that continues to roll forward it doesn't seem like that is going to be ending anytime soon and it's just kind of further and further evidence of the incompetence of of this administration apparently this past week uh, pete Buttigieg, the former uh, mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, on apparently he's been gone for a couple of months, and if, if you knew that, I didn't really know that. And to be honest, I don't really care what Pete Buttigieg does. But he was he's been gone because he was on spending two months of paternity leave. 
okay, you know, good for him. Um, that's, uh, you know, if he has that available to him and that's what he wants to do, more power to him. However, <laughs> given the energy crisis that we have the and the crisis with supply chains leading to uh, skyrocketing product costs and impacting the holiday season in which you know so many businesses depend on the fact that that guy has chosen to not participate in this administration for the past two months again i i am more than happy for him to want to want to have some time with his uh, new baby but if he does and he's in this position might want to step aside so that someone else can you know do something about what's going on i don't know but it's it's truly bizarre and he also seems to have been caught flat-footed as he comes back from his two-month hiatus and you know talking about the supply chain mess and saying that the you know their these supply chain issues are going to roll over into next year it's going to impact the holiday season so you might want to do your shopping early and but the good news is that one of the main reasons it's causing the the supply chain mess is because the Biden administration has done such a great job and things are turning around so well and so fast that we just can't keep up. And I think he was serious. I, I think he, I think he was now I mean, in addition to insulting our intelligence, I think dude was serious. It's weird, but he was, uh, boy, and if that makes sense to you, then it probably makes sense for you to vote for Joe Biden as president. Boy, what a clown. It just shows you more and more that this administration, I mean, all of them, they are completely out of their depth. They have no idea what they're doing. And this is what happens, like I said, when you decide to use your vote for president against someone rather than for someone this is what happens. It just—it is a clown show. It's—you uh, know—the only hope is that in the midterms things turn around and majorities shift, so we can at least put a tourniquet on all this this broken system that we have. Again, that's not to say that the Republicans are going to fix things. Honestly, they probably won't, because in the past they've haven't shown any spine to be able to actually do it. They seem to be much more preoccupied with their majority and their power than actually fixing things and, and undoing the damage that, that Democrat administrations come in. But we would at least have some kind of pause put on all of this damage. Uh, it's just it's just so crazy to see. I mean, lastly here, I, I, I saw also on the, on the bizarre note that the IRS, you know, Janet Yellen is proposing... You know, to monitor um, our private uh, bank uh, information and anything that is at least six hundred dollars, they want to monitor. Now, I I haven't done you know looked into it too much in detail because I I'm not quite sure if that means accounts that have more than six hundred dollars in them or transactions that are six hundred dollars or more. But regardless, that is a very very low bar and it's ridiculous because you know, right now. By law, banks have to report any transaction that's ten thousand dollars and over. You know they want to make sure people aren't cheating, you know their taxes and blah 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 blah. Whatever. Okay, fine. Because the number of transactions 
that are 10,000 and up that are done by people who aren't wealthy, probably fairly few and you know fairly straightforward, so whatever. But when you 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 lower that bar to $600, think of all the information, all your private banking information that would be available to the eyes of the IRS and do you trust them for one second? looking into your banking information? Do you trust them for one second not to freeze your assets and not to take control of your assets? I don't, not even a little bit. And if they're trying to root out some fraud, I get it, but this is not the way to do it. And like I said before, I will not give up any of my freedom at some for some illusion of security and some illusion to prevent tax cheats. I just, that's that is too much. Uh-uh. You are not doing that. No way. Do not give up your freedom at any cost. Well, that was fun. I <laughs> hope, you, hope you feel better or at least feel inclined to go and listen to one of those amazing albums, one of those amazing bands, and take a little bit of a, a memory trip down to the, to the good old days when when old people music wasn't old people music and it was still cool. So have a great week. I will see you next time and hope all is well with you. Shout out to Norman Schwarzkopf. Till next time, whatever.